Do you know what the secret of life is? No, what? This. Your finger? One thing. Just one thing. You stick to that. That's great, but what's the one thing? That's what you gotta figure out. One thing. There is just one thing, but he's wrong. You don't have to figure it out. It's already been given to us. We've already been told. We're going to talk this morning about one thing. You know, throughout scripture, a number of writers shared and talked about that one thing. They said it in different voices. So, for example, Moses, in sharing the Ten Commandments that God gave, in Exodus 20 said, number one, you shall have no other gods before me. The prophets spoke frequently about one thing. Here in Micah 6, 8, he writes, he's shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Paul used the language, one thing. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Jesus was asked, what's the one thing? What's the most important commandment? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. They're all saying the same thing, but in different ways, that there's one thing, and that's a heart devoted to God. I want to take a look with you this morning at a scripture passage from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus interacts with two women and describes what that one thing is. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. We'll spend some time this morning taking a look at this. I, I want to talk about what it means and what it doesn't mean. And then I want to talk about how we live it at home. 
This is the final message in our At Home series. Rich has masterfully led us in talking about overflow at home and worship at home, grace and trust and being resilient at home. And today we will close this out by talking about devotion at home in spite of distractions. So let's start by looking at what it does and doesn't mean. Because it's been misused by a lot of people. A lot of people over the years have said there are certain kinds of ways that we should be devoted to Jesus and other ways that we should not. In fact, it's been so abused that people have said those who are serving in the church kitchen are less spiritual than those who are attending the Bible study. It does not say that. It does not mean that. Hospitality is a spiritual gift. It's listed in the the lists of, of spiritual gifts in scripture. I want us to notice that Martha is not chastised for her meal preparations. Jesus doesn't say that. He says that she is distracted by them. Mary, on the other hand, is living out a heart that is devoted. The one thing, it's not about how Mary did it, but it's about where her heart is in the midst of it all. Jesus said, there's one thing, and it's a heart devoted to God. It's about seeking to learn. It's about seeking to know him better and to grow in that. And let me be clear, you can do that while you're cooking. It's whether those things that we do distract us from it or lead us to it. It's our devotion, our choice, our commitment, and not the method by which we do it. It is about the one thing, our heart devoted to God. So how do I live this? If I'm going to go about the business of developing a devotional life at home, especially in the midst of all that's going on right now, what works? Well, let me tell you, it's not about a a formula in any way. Let me tell you what I do. Here's how I do devotion. Every morning when I first wake up, I sit down and I read a chapter of scripture. I choose to read the same chapter every day for a week. And then I pull out my journal and I write. What are my thoughts about it? What are my questions? What are the things I don't understand? What are ways that I could go out and live that? And then I enter into a time of prayer, of asking God to let that scripture sink into my heart and to live it and to pray for the things of my day. And then at the end of my devotion time, I read from a book of Puritan prayers. I think the Puritans so often got right to this this intimate relationship with God. That may not be what works for you. You should choose what works for you. The key is finding what's best. Maybe morning isn't best for you. Maybe evening is. Maybe the afternoon, maybe your lunch hour, maybe at the end of the day. Maybe a different resource. Maybe instead of reading a chapter of scripture, you're going to just read a few verses each day. But finding what's best for you that allows you to have a heart 
consistently and continually devoted to God guides us in that. And I think that word consistency is important. So be careful. Don't bite off more than you can chew. I think it would be silly for someone to come out of this sermon and say, okay, I'm going to read my Bible and pray for an hour every single morning, and they've never had a devotion time. Start small. Start with five minutes twice a week. And then let that grow. Let that develop as you consistently follow that and grow in your devotion to God. We here at Peachtree Church, we want to help you with that. And that's why on our website, we've put out a number of resources to help you with the one thing, a heart devoted to Christ. If you go to www.peachtreechurch.com and click on Feeding the 5,000, Here's where you can sign up for Pray the Scriptures. Every single morning, Monday through Friday, this is a 15-minute time. We put a scripture on the screen, we read it, talk about it, and then we pray that scripture, which is one of our grace habits. If you scroll further down, we have some devotional resources for those of you who are just getting started. Jesus Calling or Our Daily Bread are some devotional guides that help a beginner to to get going in devotions. If you're experienced with that and want to go deeper, try Lexio Divino, which is a process of learning to pay deep attention to Scripture. We have resources there to help you to do it and some ways to practice it. Or right here, the the Praying the Psalms is a resource from Fuller Seminary that right now is free for everybody through July. So you can sign up for a number of resources. We have right now media. We have resources for parents. Our children and family ministry team has a devotional prayer guide for children. Our student ministry team puts out devotions for our students. There are lots of resources because what we want to do is we want to walk with you as you pursue that one thing, that one thing, which is a heart devoted to God. So as I'm sure you are aware, there are some barriers to doing this and to doing it well. And the first one that comes to mind are all of the distractions I call this living with a divided heart. I find that my life, my heart, is sometimes divided. I want to be devoted to God, but there are things in my life. There's busyness, there's culture, there's job, there's all those things that become distractions that take me away from a heart committed to him. You know, the truth is, friends, we live in a Martha world. People who live as Martha are affirmed in our culture. They get job promotions. They get all sorts of credit. But Jesus said there was one thing. And so we have to learn to set aside those distractions that cause a divided heart. Here's a prayer you could pray. It's from Psalm 86, and it's verse 11. And it says, teach me your way, Lord that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. 
Give me, God, an undivided heart. The way that we deal with distractions is to acknowledge them, to confess to God how they distract our heart from him, and to pray, asking God's Holy Spirit to give us an undivided heart, a heart that is devoted to him, because that's the one thing. Well, the other barrier that we might think about is what I would call functional atheism. Now, maybe you say to me, Barry, I'm not an atheist. This doesn't apply to me. And I would have to ask the question, are you sure that you're not acting as if you are? Here's the definition of functional atheism. If something good is going to happen here, it's going to be because I make it happen. If something good will happen, it's because of me. I am the mover here. I am the initiator here. And I control the situation. But let's think for a second about our theology. God is God, and I'm the creature. God is holy, I am not. God is wise, I am not. God is good, and if something good is going to happen... It's going to be because I trust God to lead me in that. It's not about me managing those things, but it's about me placing my life under his authority, under his lordship, so that the good that God has can come from it. So again, acknowledge it, confess it, and ask God to help you trust with a devoted heart. Some of you know that I lived for a lot of years overseas. In addition to living overseas through the years of my ministry, I've led countless short-term teams onto mission into cross-cultural situations. Living and ministering in cross-cultural situations is very different than being a tourist and just being there. Because as you minister there, as you live there, you're going to enter a time of disorientation, a time where everything is strange and everything is different and you can't make sense out of it and you're trying to figure out and it can become frustrating and you may even get angry about the fact that things are just so different here. Let me give you an example. When I lived in North Africa, I remember very distinctly early on that my language skills were not very strong yet. And I needed to get to the school where I was teaching and I couldn't tell the taxi driver how to take me there. I remember going down to the market in the Medina and not being able to find what I wanted because I, I, I couldn't figure out the way that they did things there. It's incredibly frustrating and disoriented. And so one of the things we do when preparing people for cross-cultural ministry or living is to to train them of what to do in those situations. For example, you learn to say different isn't wrong, different isn't bad, it's just different. You learn to say God is at work here. How can I join in with what God's doing? But the most important tool that I learned, and I want to share this with you, is to establish a statement of what you've already decided is true. 
and that statement of what you've already decided is true then transfers into the culture. If it's not true in this new culture, then it's just not a truth for all times and places. But if it's something that I've previously determined to be true, then I have to learn how to live that and apply that in a culture where I'm so disoriented. Let me give you an example. Here was my statement of what I had previously decided was true. My statement was, God is sovereign, God is faithful, God works for my good and his glory. So I'm saying, I believe God's in charge, I believe God isn't random, he can be depended on, and what he's going to do will be for my good and his glory. So when I got into that situation where I couldn't get to the school I needed to be at, I had to go back to what I'd already decided to be true. God, if I believe you're sovereign and in charge then I have to believe you're sovereign over this disorienting situation. If I believe that you're working for my good, then I believe this situation is going to be something that ultimately feeds me and helps me grow and something that will bring you glory. So what would your statement be about what you've already decided to be true? You see... Living here in the midst of COVID-19 is incredibly disorienting. It is so bizarre. It is so strange. It's like you and I have crossed boundaries into a different culture, into a different place. And we have to learn how to live in that. And these cross-cultural adaption skills, I think they're really relevant to you and to me right now. And perhaps establishing your single statement, your one thing that you've already determined is true will help you walk in and live with a heart devoted to God in a time that's so disorienting. Yes, COVID-19 is strange and bizarre and it's painful and it's causing great disruption and pain in our life. But for me, I have already determined for my life that God is sovereign, God's in charge, and therefore I believe he's sovereign in this. I have previously already determined that God is faithful, and I know that God will be faithful in this no matter how disorienting it is. And I know and have already determined that God works for my good and his glory. And so I have to learn my way through the disruption of shelter in place, through the disruption of of stores closed, through the disruption of all that's happening right now. Help me see, God, what is for my good. Help me see, God, what is for your glory. Because that's the one thing. A heart devoted to God pursues that. So I encourage you, friends, I encourage you to think through and pray through what that is for you. I'd be interested to hear it. Shoot me an email and tell me what that one thing you've previously decided is true. And let's walk through this together. At the start of all of this, when we first were at home, 
we were in a leadership team meeting on Zoom. Are you tired of Zoom yet? (laughs) We were sitting in a leadership team meeting and Rich was leading us. And he asked this question. He said, let's imagine that it's December of 2020 and we're through all of this. As you look back over the year, what would you regret? What, what would you look back on and say, mm, that's not what I had wanted or what I had hoped for? I'll tell you what my answer to that was. If I get to the end of this and I didn't grow closer in my relationship with God, if I get to December and I don't trust Jesus more than I trust him right now, if I get to the end of this and see I didn't take the opportunity to lean into this, the privilege to take the time to grow closer to him, if I just go back to the me I was before, I will consider that a painful tragedy. And so I choose. I choose to lean into this time. I choose to lean into a devoted life that takes distractions and sets them aside, asks for God's help for me to live with an undivided heart. I choose to pursue that relationship because I want to have the one thing that Jesus said matters an undivided, devoted heart. Will you pray with me? God, I pray and I ask that you would give to us a clear picture of how we can know you better and walk with you more closely and intimately. Give us hearts free from distraction so that we can pursue that one thing, a devoted heart. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening that you would give to all of us that devoted heart and may it all be for your glory in the name of Jesus. Jesus.